it's once in 20 years that we have a haftarah for Pasha's Mikets. Nearly always, Pasha's Mikets is on Shabbos Hanukkah, and therefore the haftarah is the haftarah of Hanukkah. And uh, in rare occasions, like this week, we get to read the most unread haftarah of the year. The haftarah of Pasha's Mikets. And therefore, it's an opportunity to learn a new chapter of Torah. One which is well known perhaps, but not one which is often read. And the Torah of Mikhaits is the story of the wisdom of King Shlomo. King Shlomo was granted exceptional Chachma, unique Chachma. The Pasuk says like no man before him. And the Navi, the Prophet, wants to give an example, a case where we can witness Shlomo's Chachma, Shlomo's wisdom. And we all know the story of the two ladies who come in front of him. And they're both claiming that they'd had a child. And the one lady claims that the living child is hers. The other child, which is has died, belongs to the second lady. And the second lady claims that the living child is hers. And the not living child belongs to the first lady. And they argue in front of King Shlomo. There was no one else present. There are no witnesses. There's no evidence besides for the claims of the two ladies. And Shlomo hears the case. And as is famous, Shlomo HaMelech puts it to the test and he said, bring me a sword and let's cut the baby in half and give one half to each of the two ladies who claim to be his mother. And the real mother responds by saying, no, no, don't kill him. Rather give us the other one. And the imposter says, no, cut him in half. And Shlomo HaMelech says, I have proved who the real mother is. And the Apostle says that the whole of Klaishal heard about the wisdom of King Shlomo by Yiro. They were afraid of someone who had such insight. And they saw that Hashem had given Chachmut to Shlomo Nasis Mishpat to do justice. To act as a judge. This is the story and the story is famous. And we might wonder to ourselves when we read the story that where do we see the tremendous genius of Shlomo Melech? Where do we see the wisdom that Shlomo Melech was famous for in the story? And we can also ask the question why would the second mother want to kill the child? What would she gain from having half a child? So let's look again more closely at the story of the two ladies. And let's try and understand at least some of the Chachma of Shlomo Melech. I'm not claiming this is all. I'm sure Shlomo had many more levels of understanding which are beyond us. 
But at least what we can take out of the story. And we can explain the story of these two ladies and Shlomo's understanding, Shlomo's judgment on three different levels. One, let's call Alpi the rules of Halacha. The second one, let's say Alpi Remez, a hint in the Torah. And the third one, on the level of maybe the understanding, the human understanding of the case. So let's relearn the story of the two ladies. And if we look at the story, the first lady who comes to Shlomo, the claimant, she says to Shlomo Amalek, I gave birth to a boy. Three days later, the other lady who was with me in the house also gave birth to a boy. And then she says that what happened was the other lady's baby died during the night. And while she was sleeping, the other lady exchanged her own dead baby for the live baby that the claimant was claiming was hers. And she finishes the story by saying when she wakes up in the morning to nurse the baby and she sees this is not her child. And therefore she's claiming that the other lady stole her baby. And the second lady defending herself saying it's not true. My baby is a living one. And therefore, before we understand, like I said, the psychology of the case, let's first understand the halakha or the halakhic angle of the case. And that is, the one lady had in her arms the dead baby. She was saying, this child was not my child, it was exchanged for the living child. The second lady is holding the living child. And she's saying, this is my child. If that's the case, so I'll pee the rules of halacha. We have a claimant saying, what I'm holding is my own. We have the other claimant saying, you stole from me. You took it out of my arms. There's no evidence. There are no witnesses. Both sides are claiming what we call a tainless body. They're both clear on what they're saying. And if that's the case, Shlomo's ruling is very straightforward. Shlomo's ruling is very straightforward. The halakha in such a case is, the one who's holding on to it has a chazaka. The one who's holding on to the item. We give them the... And the, st- the starting point is that it's there. That's why they're holding on to it. You want to remove it from them, you'll have to be proof. And if that's the case, just an argument, just a claim that the baby was stolen from me without any other proof wouldn't be enough halakhically to consider the claimant's arguments and halakha. And therefore Shlomo's psaq was very straightforward. The lady is holding the living baby, she'll have to hold on to her, she'll have to keep her. She'll have to keep him. There's no justified halakhic position to remove the baby from her. So why do we need the rest of the story? That's the first 
explanation of the of Shlomo's judgment. The second explanation of the story of Shlomo, we said is a remez, a hint in the Torah. Let's start with a story which is told about the Vilnagon when he was a little boy of three. And then the Minag in Vilna was that on Simchas Torah, they used to line up all the little boys in Cheda, all the children, and they would ask them questions to see how proficient they were on the Torah. And they would obviously give prizes for having knew the answers. And the story goes that that particular year, Eliyahu, who would later on grow up to be the Vilnagon, was a three-year-old boy. He was one of the Cheda children being tested. And the question that they were asked was, where in the Torah do we have a sequence of five words, each of which have only two letters? Where in the Torah is there a five-word sequence of five two-letter words in a row? Not an easy question. And the children were thinking about it. And the Vulnagon, after a few seconds, says, it's not one time in the Torah, it's three. There are three times in the Torah we have a five-word sequence, which each word is only two letters. What are they? The first one is in Pashas Nach. When it's talking about Nach and his sons, And the Pasuk says, Noach, es shame, es chom, es yafes. Noach, and shame, and chom, and yafes. If you take the words Noach, es, shame, es, chom, all of those are two letter words. Five two letter words in a row. The second is when Rachel gives birth to Binyamin. And she was dying during labor. And the Pasuk says that the midwife said to her, Al-Tiri ki gam ze loch ben. Again, five words, each of two letters. Ki gam ze loch ben. This is also a sign. And the third time in the Torah is... After their first fight with Amalek, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu that the revelation of his throne in this world will not be complete until Amalek is destroyed. And the words in the Pasuk, Ki Yad Al Kais Ko, Amalek. Once again, five words in a row. Ki Yad Al Kais Ko. And then when the Vilnagon grew up, he brought one more remez. One more case where this is true. And that's in our Pasha, in our Haftarah. When the one lady, when presented with a challenge of let's cut the living baby into two. So she says, Gzairu, slice him in half. Gam li, gam loch, I won't have him and you won't have him. And there again we have five words. Gamli, Gamloch, Loi, Yihia. What's the significance of that? 
So, the Mephoshim, the Rishonim explain, they explain the story, that the case, it wasn't to a random woman. The case here was, that we're talking about two women, one was the mother-in-law of the other. We had a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law living in the same house. And what happened is, the daughter-in-law gives birth to a boy. The mother-in-law gives birth to a boy. Shortly after that, as they say themselves, there was no one else in the house. Shortly after that, the husband of the daughter-in-law, the son of the mother, he dies. So it's just the two ladies left in the house, with each one with a with a with a boy baby. And then, what happens is, one of the baby boys dies. Now, what's the halacha? When a man dies, so we look to see does he have children? Because if he has children, then his wife is free to marry whoever she wants. If he doesn't have children, so then the halacha is that the wife needs to do yibam which means she either needs to marry her husband's brother, or she has to have her husband's brother release her, so to speak, from the obligation to marry him by a process called chalitza. So the first thing we look to see if a man dies is does he have children? And if he doesn't, then the next question is going to be does he have a brother? Because if there's no children and no brother, then once again, there's no halachic requirement of yibum. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the lady's free to marry whoever she wants. Now, if a man dies and leaves a child, so, if he's considered a barakayama, a living child, so then he was, he had a, heir when he died, he had, a, he had a son or a daughter, and if that's the case there's no mitzvah of Yibum, even if the child will die later but the halacha is, that the child's only considered a barakayama from 30 days old if he's a month old if a child dies less than a month old, then we khoshesh, we worried maybe he was never halachically viable to live, and if that's the case, there would still be a khiv of Yibum on the wife, if there be no other children. That's what happened over here. What happened is that when the man, the husband died, no one thought there would be a of Yibum because his wife had a baby. But what happened was, was that within 30 days the baby died. Within 30 days the baby died. If that's the case, it would now come that he didn't have any living children, viable children when he died. And if that's the case, his wife would need to do Yibu. Is there a brother? And their answer is yes, there is. Because the mother-in-law, the husband's mother had had another son also, another baby. And if that's the case, when that baby would grow up, he would have to do either Yibum or Khalitza with the wife of his older brother who had died. 
which means the daughter-in-law would be left in limbo, unable to marry anybody else for 13 years. Because in order to do Yibu Mukharitza, one needs to be an adult. He needs to be at least Bar Mitzvah. And now she would have to wait for this little baby to grow up and become a Bar Mitzvah age in order to either do Yibu Mukharitza. And that she didn't want. And therefore her plan was, I'll exchange the babies. Because that way, I will say that the living baby is my baby. And then if that's the case, the dead husband had a son. And if the dead husband had a son, then there's no need for Yibu Mukharitza. That's why she wanted the living baby. Shlomo understood this. And therefore Shlomo understood that when she came forward, in the case she was the claimant, the daughter-in-law, and she said that even though I have the, babe, the dead baby in my arms, it's because the two babies were switched. It's because the two, ladies were, the two babies were switched. And therefore she was claiming the living baby as hers because then she wouldn't be have to wait for the other child to grow up and give her Yibam Khalidza. She would say, I have a child, and if that's the case, I'm Potter. Therefore, Shlomo thought, what would she be happy to do? What would she be happy to do? She doesn't necessarily want the living child as her baby. She wants an out from having to be burdened with waiting 13 years for Yibam Khalidza. And therefore, he offered the other option. Let's kill the baby. Let's cut him in half. Why? Because in that case, she'd be very happy to accept that. Because if they kill the other baby also, then it means there's no brother. And if there's no brother, she's free to go. And therefore, she accepted it. Cut him in half. Why? Because she had no interest in the baby. She had an interest that she shouldn't be high to wait for Yibu. And if Hashem was offering the option of killing the other baby also, so there wouldn't be an option of Yibum, and she wouldn't be trapped in waiting for him for 13 years, she'd be, she'd be happy with that too. And therefore, Shlomo proved that really she wasn't the mother. Her case that her, that the other baby died and was switched was a fabrication. Really, it was just the way she was trying to find to get out of having to wait for Yibum. So there we see already more of the Chachma of Shlomo understanding the case. But let's look at it even at a deeper level. Where did Shlomo see this from? Shlomo saw it in the words of the Pasuk. Shlomo saw it from the way she presents the argument. The Pasuk says, when the first mother, the daughter-in-law, finishes her argument, that she's saying that the babies have been switched, and the baby she was holding, the dead baby, was not her child. So it says, the Isha Ashnir, the second mother, says back, Loki, it's not true. My child is a living child and your child is a dead one. And then again she responds and she says, No. The first lady says back, the daughter-in-law says back, Loki, your child is a dead child, my child is a living child. And the Pasuk says, They continue to argue in front of the king. And we were wondering, What's there to continue arguing about? 
There's no further fact to be bring to the table. There's no evidence. They both stated the claim. What else is there to continue discussing? And what's even more surprising is before Shlomo Melech issues his ruling of what to do, he makes a summation of the case. Shlomo sums up the case. The one mother says, my child's living child, your child's the dead one. The Zosimeris, the other mother says back, B'nei Chames, B'nei Achai. Your child's the dead one, mine's the living one. End of passage. Shlomo successfully and repeated, understood the two sides to the argument. And once again we're wondering, what's Shlomo coming to add? It wasn't that there was a, such a complicated argument each one put forward that it needed a summation. It needed to be repeated by the judge to make sure he understood the case. So what was Shlomo repeating to them? It was a very straightforward argument. This one says his man. That one says his man. So the Malvin points out here a beautiful thing. If you look carefully at the Pasuk, there's a difference what they said. The one said, B'ni hachai u'b'nei chames. The one said, My child is the living one, and your one's the dead one. And the other one said, B'nei chames u'b'nei achai. Your child is the dead one, and mine is the living one. And Shlomo Melech noticed something interesting. What's the difference which order it's placed? The answer is, when a person comes to argue something, first they explain their position. Then they come to argue with the other one. And therefore what Shlomo Melech heard was the mother always said, B'ni hachai, b'nei chames, my child is alive. That was the important point of the argument for. My child is alive. What about the other one? That's your child. Whereas the second mother always said, first, B'nei Chames. Your child's a dead one. So Shlomo saw something here. It was more important to, to say, your child's dead than to say, mine is alive. And therefore, says in Malbim, Shlomo Melech let them repeat the arguments again and again. Because he listened to her at the same time every, every time. Every time the one mother always said, Mine's a live child. And the other one always said, Yours is a dead child. And therefore, when Shlomo sums up the case, that's what Shlomo says. Shlomo says, I hear you always saying, B'nei Achai. And I hear you always saying, B'nei Chames. You always putting first the fact, Mine's a live child. That means, so Shlomo, I hear from the way it's you arguing, that the important point here is, my child's alive. And the second mother, where I hear the most important thing you're saying is, your child's dead. Said Shlomo, I see I already hear the answer to the case. The second mother isn't interested in the child. Her Ica argument isn't, it's my child that's alive. My Ica problem is, your child is dead. Because, like we explained, the, the, living, the real mother in you that her son died. She had no interest in adopting another baby. She'd know it's not hers. Her, her, her problem was that the other baby being alive is going to prevent her from getting remarried. She'll have to wait for him to be a yavel. And therefore, the ikka thrust of her argument is yours is the dead baby. That's what she wants. I shouldn't have that problem. 
But that, how am I going to explain that story? I'm going to have to say that without the living baby's mine. But I know it's not mine. She had no, she didn't want to steal the baby. She didn't want to have to bring up a different child. Her echo thrust of her argument was, I don't want to be stuck with you. And therefore, my echo point always is, your child died. That's the primary thing which I think about. Whereas the real mother said, My echo point is, this is my child, which is alive. And therefore, once Shlomo understood that, the test of offering to slice the live child in half was just to prove to them, to prove to everybody why, how, how he was right. Because the one who's, the one who always said, the main point is my child's alive, for sure wouldn't accept the option of killing the child. This is my child, it's alive. Whereas the other lady whose echo point was, your child is dead, so now she'd be very happy to have the option to see the other child dead. Good. That explains more, let's say, the understanding Shlomo had of the case. What about the Psukim? So they say the Sava, I've never seen it inside in the name of the Vandagom, but they say the Sava. And that is, the Pasuk says by Shlomo, that Hashem gave him the wisdom to do Mishpat. To carry out justice. Not as a prophet. He wasn't given prophecy. The Torah isn't decided by prophecy. He was given divine wisdom in the capacity of a judge. And like the Pasuk says at the end, that the whole Klai Israel saw that Hashem gave Chachm to Shlomo to do Mishpat. To carry out justice. And if that's the case, like the Pasuk says, Shlomo sat in the Kisle Hashem. So to speak, Hashem's throne is a source of justice. And if Shlomo was now given that divine ability to do justice, you're sitting on Hashem's throne, so to speak. Like the Pasuk says. And therefore, Shlomo is reminded of the first Pasuk. The Yad al Kesko. The hand against the throne of Hashem. The first five word, two letter sequence. And he realized that the test that he would have to prove his eligibility to sit on Hashem's throne would involve that sequence. If he would be the one to sit in the case car in the chair of Hashem, so to speak, the throne of Hashem, then there was a remedy here for him in how, to, how he would prove that he was, he was worthy of the position. And therefore, when the one mother says, cut him in half, gam li, gam loch, lo won't be mine, won't be yours. So she is using that same sequence. Five words of two letters. And Shlomo is reminded of the other two times you have that sequence. And what are they? The first one is Noach es Shem es Chom. What do we see in the case of Noach Shem and Chom? You have a father and two sons. Shem and Chom are both sons of Noach. You have a father and two sons. And the second case in the Torah, by Benjamin's birth, Ki Gam Ze Loch Ben. This is also a son for you. Again, Binyamin was the second son. Says Shlomo, I see that the remnants to my case. The lady is saying, cut him in half. It won't be mine, it won't be yours. Is because she's claiming 
that this is her child. That the daughter-in-law claiming this is her son. Whereas the mother-in-law is claiming that this is my son, it's a second son. The first was the husband of the daughter-in-law, and this is her second son. Shlomo saw from both other cases the Torah of the sequence, we're talking about two sons of the same parents. Binyamin was the second son of Rachel. Shem and Ham were both sons of Nach. And therefore Shlomo saw here also a Remez who was right in the case. That there were two sons of the same mother. This was the second son, which means it was the son of the mother-in-law. And there was another element where it was visible, the Chachma of Shlomo, so to speak. That entitled him to be the one to be Yeshav al Hashem. He was given that extraordinary level of wisdom in order to do Mishpat, in order to carry out justice. Again, I'm sure Shlomo's Chachma extended way beyond this. If there's something we can learn from the story, we can take out of the case. We've seen here a number of approaches Shlomo had to understand what the case was and therefore to pass it, to resolve it the way he did.